afternoon, Culture Surfer listeners. This is Lance Robertson and Zeke back with another episode. Got a lot of playoff topics to discuss, a lot of big picture stuff, uh, and, and a little bit of offseason stuff, just a sprinkle. Uh, we don't want to go too far in. I hope everyone's doing well today. Just to How you doing, Zeke? Man, you already know. I'm straight, man. I saw that ass whooping last night, man. It was such an ass whooping, I had to fall asleep. Yeah, I mean, it was so bad that... I mean, I, I tried to watch most of it, but then I was like, what, what am I doing to myself? So I just started playing Xbox Live and and then kind of just waited. Yeah, <laughs> I just waited till the Denver uh, Suns game game uh, come on. So, What game were you playing on your I, Xbox? It's funny. Uh, I play Monopoly with uh, some friends. What? <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Isn't that the book? Uh yeah, but it has like special like gimmicky rules to make it a little bit more interesting. And it's just like a live board where you can knock over pieces and there's like interactive stuff. It's it's really I mean it was like I think twenty or thirty dollars, so it was worth the purchase. Interesting. I might have to take a look into that. I mean anytime I play Xbox Live, I just play Forza. I always play Forza Horizon or I'm playing two K, but Forza Horizon is my my thing. Uh, I try to play Forza, and it's so realistic that uh, I suck at it. So it's like very <laughs> the controls are very sensitive, and I, I just can't play. I love the way it looks, and and uh, the simulation aspect it's so real, but I just I suck at it. No, I mean for me, man, then I mean you wouldn't like playing with me because I play with all settings that simulation, and I play with manual with clutch. Like I'm one of those crazy people, but like I love that game. Speaking of clutch. Uh, I mean, did you? I, the Bucks weren't necessarily clutch, and I don't think the Nets had to be clutch to beat the Bucks. Besides, you know, Harden not playing due to hamstring issues, and if the series continues like this, I don't think he needs to play. Uh, did you have any real takeaways from uh, the first two games? Nothing, because those two takeaways, those two games, is what I said from the beginning of the year. I mean, Lance, you, you you've heard me say this repeatedly on locker room. I've said this over and over and over. Everybody said the Bucks can beat the Nets. I agree with that. Okay, but the question is, how do you guard them? Everybody keeps on saying they're gonna switch on defense. They're gonna switch everything. And I asked them like, when has Buddha and Jose shown to do that? He's gonna do it this year. Okay, now they're doing it. The problem is, is that Giannis is not guarding Kevin Durant, and Drew Holiday can barely guard Kyrie Irving. And they're not covering up enough offense to mess with the the Nets' offense. And and Harden's not there. The the main problem with the Nets, why it's hard, is because their top eight rotation, their top seven guys, all can dribble, pass, and shoot. It's hard to guard a team that everybody can do something. They're not lame duck players. And now you have the absurd spacing from Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Is this going to make things even worse? You know what I mean? No, yeah. Uh, I mean, KD, he's just so tall. He can get off a shot on anybody. Kyrie, we know he has, like, some of the best handles of the game. And the Nets are just deep enough to, like, you know, in the, in the Eastern Conference to to really get by with, with the, how they gutted the team, but they're just deep enough to, you know, make this run. And it really doesn't matter because I know uh, Josh Eberle on Twitter, he said, I think everyone just like really overthought this year. And I'm I'm one of the people that said Bucks and six, and I picked them to win the championship. 
I didn't see. And and it's nope. sometimes the game is as simple as, hey, who has the best scores? You know, sometimes it's that simple, and it, it's really kind of like playground stuff at this point. No, exactly. Uh, and yeah, I I want to say though, Zeke. Uh, Unlike last year's Heat series where Giannis didn't guard Jimmy and everyone was asking why, and he said, well, Coach Bud, you know, I do him with the coach once we do. In all fairness, uh, Giannis was on KD for some stretches, and it really didn't matter. Uh, there was a sequence where he crossed Giannis over for a for a shot on the elbow, you know, like at the nail and stuff, and it really doesn't matter. Like, if, if KD is going to be doing what, what he's uh, done in the last two games, like, I don't want to say it, but just give the Nets a championship. And I know it sounds like I'm overreacting, but man, it's just, like you said, it's just strategy-wise, what are you supposed to do? That's the point. I said the only team that can really beat them is the Lakers. And the Lakers are, now, are no, no longer exist in the playoffs. So that's over and done with. The, the, the point of the matter is just that the Bucks just don't have enough offense to score in half court. They just don't have it. If they did, then they would have had a chance, but but they don't. To play to beat the Nets in the set, best of seven game series, you need to match their offense, because there's no way you can physically defend them, and that's just what the problem is. Like, I feel bad. I, I don't even know if I should feel bad for Detroit Pistons people or to like laugh at Detroit Pistons people because it's just like, give it a, the way how this guy just like Blake just decided to start dunking on people. And it's even like went on national TV and dunked on this, dunked on Giannis on television. Is like, I can only laugh with Detroit people, or laugh at them, or just feel pity for them. You know, because Blake decided to just fake dunking for like three years, and then now he dunks with no problem. You know. I don't know. Maybe. Well, I mean, let's let's be honest here, man. Detroit was going nowhere. As a person, like, but. Blake Griffin is not like some super elite playoff performer or anything historically, I guess, but it's hard from what I imagine. It was probably hard for him to get up and and feel enthused and want to do that to his knees for a Pistons team that a, he didn't actually want to go to. He didn't, someone doesn't just say, Hey, I want to go from LA to Detroit. And that's no disrespect to agreed to the hardworking city of Michigan, but like those are the facts of the NBA life. Like it's all about big markets, right? In the home state. Uh, yeah, yeah, he signed that contract with the Clippers because you know they went out of their way to pretty much uh, blow smoke up his ass. Yeah, and then traded him the first chance they got, and he went to Detroit. Hey, in all fairness, he got him to the playoffs in their first year. He had one of his best uh, shooting performances uh, in a season. So it's not like he did nothing for no, the team. No, he didn't. He didn't. But he definitely, you know, there's there's something to be said that he did hang it up. Like, he just did not care. And I think that's something that in the next CBA, that's going to be a big deal about these buyout candidates because all these guys are just waking up and picking coastal teams when they're contending and pretending to be washed or just, you know, not want to get up and play – play out your contract and then you just get a buyout you double dip it, it's kind of it sounds like there's a competitive advantage that's just not fair i guess for a lot of the other teams no i i get it and we're definitely going to get into that this offseason because i think there's a lot of stuff that happened this season that if it carries over next year it could be a problem for the league 
and it's not like it's a, a, a overnight fix, but there's definitely things that need to be addressed. Yeah, definitely. I think this is another topic for uh, for off season. What did you think about Neil O'Shea? Uh, so I briefly looked over some of the stuff he said, and he pretty much was taking shots at the players that wanted to get out of their situations via trade. And uh, some of these things are best said in private and not in public, and that's the problem. Maybe some of the stuff had some justice to it, but it's just, it just sounds crazy Uh, in a mark in a, not a market, but in a, in a league where, you know, it's very important to please the players and make sure they're getting what, what they need and want. And, and really they have most of the leverage nowadays. It's kind of stupid to like, to put your foot in your mouth by saying stuff like that, especially for a, a team that really struggles to get free agents. You know, they got mellow only because, no one else wanted him, right? And, and they found a way to get him. But no one else wants to go there, you know? Exactly. And they got their own players that are mad. Like, Nurkic is mad. He's, he said some stuff like, this is not the right fit. You know, this is not the right situation or whatever he said, right? Like, yeah. And and then you got Dame. I know, Stop for him. I know people mm-hmm. don't want to, like, discuss it, but you have Dame. I know it's just a rap lyric, but still, people don't just put rap lyrics in their captions for no reason. He put the... He put the dedication uh, Nipsey Hussle right. line in there, and now it's got people questioning whether or not he'll be with the uh, Portland long term. Once again, that's a whole other discussion for a whole other day. But yeah, I just think it's not smart, smart for Neil O'Shea to come out and say some stuff like that because he's living in a glass house right now, and everyone can see right through it. So that's my take on it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I okay. Before I go further, do you think that his digs on like players wanting to move around with player empowerment. Do you think it was on Damian Lillard with the, with the impending idea that he may look to be somewhere else with another playoff field? I'm going to go on the record and say, I don't think he's that stupid to, to do that to the one player that and I know people like to make fun of it, but I, I do respect it. It goes out of his way to, to big up the, the city of Portland and the franchise. So I don't think he's that stupid. I think he was just saying in general. Right. But still, that, right. that does not help. I think personally in this place, I think that Neil O'Shea has lost his marbles. I mean, there is a lot of things to be looking at when you talk about Portland. I've come out on Twitter. I've come on the locker room and said that the Portland Trailblazers are nothing more than Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and Camilla Anthony in vibes. You know, just shoot a bunch of shots, ignore everybody, not play defense. You know, um... But at the same time, as much as you want to talk about your star not performing up to what you would like or your first-round exits, um, you're the guy who made the roster, right? You're the one that pays the checks. You're the ones that signed these guys. You're the ones that picked these guys. And to sit down there and say that, what was me, I'm Portland, we're not a big market, who cares? There's 29 other teams that have worse or better markets than you it's about performing it's about picking up the guys it's about doing everything you can possible to build the best player you know build the best team for your star player right i think that he is a decent general manager but so far he has fallen short and there's many things for why he has fallen short i'm not going to go there and blame terry stotts i think the blame pie is is equal for every part, including from the star, the coach, 
and the general manager, but this is not a pod to go and disseminate every single transaction that they have done. I just would say that uh, when you're discussing family business, it shouldn't be for the public. No, I, I agree with you. And uh, yeah, there's a plethora of stuff that we could go over, you, you know which what we I mean? will go over in our off-season episodes. But I'm just going to add quickly, since we're talking about the GM, uh, the coaching stuff in Portland is also weird. Because we have a guy in Jason Kidd that supposedly Dam- Damian Lillard like said that he wanted, you know, Jason Kidd. And it is so I don't think it's coincidence that Jason Kidd said, you know what, I'm gonna bow out of this. And you know, I don't want to put my tinfoil hat on because that's for another episode again. But I just think we we'd be remiss not to mention how odd it is for a candidate that pretty much has the players' graces and reportedly yeah. Dame is going to have a lot more say in this coaching uh, hire. Um, being that Stotts was his coach from his rookie year on to now, you know, Dame obviously has a, has a lot of say in it. And he said he wanted Kid, and Kid said, I don't want to, you know, I'm okay. I'll stay wherever I'm at right now. What are you trying to say? You're trying to say that it's a burning house over there in Portland? Uh, I'm just saying that Woj and Shams will probably have a report for us soon of something else big. I don't want to speculate too much because. I don't know, right? And I'm not a I'm not an inside reporter for them at all, so I I'm not gonna act like I know. But it's just outside looking in, it's very odd. And I know Chris Haynes from Yahoo Sports has been like the main Dame guy, so I I really think there's yeah. something coming up in the pipeline, Zeke. And and I'm ha- I'm not happy, but I'm excited to see what it is because although I don't, I'll just say this: although I don't want Dame to leave Portland because I think what he represents in Portland for the league is, is beautiful. It's, it's a very rare thing nowadays, but if it was to, to end, there would be a lot of teams that actually have some pieces that can make something even more fun happen. Lance, I know. Don't do that. I know no, I'm not, I'm not you saying to Dallas, if that's what you think. You paired next to Luca, right? Nah, no, I don't think that will happen. Dallas has nothing to offer Portland. I am not that person. Don't do that to me. I have never been that. I'm playing with you, man. I just I, know that a lot of Dallas fans that would love that to happen. Yeah, well, we're not. So we're not like like. Uh, let's just say that Dallas fans are not like Laker fans. They're not going to Photoshop every player in a in a Mavericks jersey. But what do you mean, man? Lakers fans have been chill. It's been the Miami fans that think they're going to get every player on their team. Well, I'm talking pre Anthony Davis and pre LeBron, man. I remember those days. <laughs> nah, yeah. but uh. Let's uh let's go ahead and uh, hop to the main topic that you wanted to talk about uh about the the breakout young stars that we have in the league uh in the playoffs specifically. Uh so we did of course get some counting stats for everybody to to look at. Uh Zeke if you want to man uh the floor is yours on this cuz I know you wanted to to start out with this. So go ahead and talk about who, whatever player you want to talk about first and, we'll, and So I'll I want I want to come out and say like man this playoffs have been interesting. I know that there's some media people right now that are trying to tell you the playoffs are insignificant because the Lakers and the Miami Heat are gone. Well, screw them because they don't watch basketball in the first place. I think what this playoffs has been has been beautiful because it feels as if that we're entering a new generation of basketball. And like that is almost like you're passing the guard of, of sorts, right? Luka Doncic, he didn't, you know, his Mavericks didn't get past the first round. But that epic battle for how he put that team on his back and made it a very competitive series against the Clippers, who were supposed to be at one point the 
new 96 Chicago Bulls of some sort, right? <laughs> you know, and they they took them they took them seven and did a puncher's chance, right? And it's something epic, you know. They only lost within, I guess, like what was it? Like double digits? Like was it double digits or was it within? It was. And actually, uh so I'll give you a stat. Before game seven, the highest lead that the Clippers held over the Mavericks before game seven was seven points. That's wild. That's wild. So yeah, it was a really hard fought battle and he was hurt with his, um, he had a nerve injury of sorts. On his uh, right. cerv- I, I'm not a doctor. Cer- it's something to do with cervical. It really was like in his neck area. But at one point he said, and I quote, pain shot from my neck down to my left arm. And that, like you said, sounds like nerves. But yeah, that's that's what the biggest thing was was hurting him. Right, that's crazy. And then we move on to his uh, the guy that always is compared to him, Trey Young, the new Steph Curry that you know everybody thought he was gonna be. But you know, I'm happy for Trey Young. Ice Trey is not a new Steph Curry. He is his own man. He went to Madison Square Garden, and despite people talking about him balding or looking like a ferret or uh, people spitting on him. This man came in there and shut up Madison Square Garden. He even shut up all the people that felt that there was going to be a choker in the playoffs, that they were going to double him, and that he won't be able to do anything. And he just shut them up, played hard, and had consistent series. That's another guy that we have to give our credit to. Hat tips off to them. You know, it's really hard to now separate the idea between Trey, Trey Young and Luka, who's better or not. I mean, I'm still the Luka guy, but, you know, there's some people who are Trey Young guys that can argue the opposite, right? So it is what it is. And then you got Booker, who lit up, lit up the Lakers, right? Which was epic in its own right because, you know, the Lakers and the Suns have a very contentious, blood-curdling history. Um, Anybody who was a basketball fan when it's, Steve Nash Suns days, seven seconds or less, knows how how deep that rivalry is. And that building was loud as hell. Uh, I think it was one of the loudest buildings besides Madison Square Garden that Trey basically turned into his own house. So, you know, it, um, it was very interesting. Chris Paul was uh, struggling a bit, and he still took that team on his back. He cursed out LeBron James, told him that he's not scared of him. And it's crazy. So I'm going to just not lay out the averages for all these players. Right? Luca, the first player we mentioned, Luca averaged 35, 10, and 8 on 49% field goal shooting, on 40% uh, three-point shooting, but with a lowly 52% free throw shooting. That's something that is uh, – Lance, you want to talk about that? Because this is your team. Yeah. uh, Obviously, it's, uh, it's, it's rough. And 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 you don't you don't want to you don't want to poo poo Luca too much, right? Because he literally had to do everything in that series, right? Uh, but he left a lot of points on the table, and there were games like uh, what was it, game three? Uh, really, like they gave that game away. But if they would have just hit free throws, they would have they would have probably just won the game. Uh, as a team, even like there were games where they shot. Uh, I think it was. 40, uh, 50% one time as a team they shot and they still won the game. I think it was game two. But no, Luca, it's really, 
I've heard some people say it's mechanical because he's used to like uh, shooting on the go, not necessarily set shooting. Yeah. I'm not saying that's okay, but I'm saying that's probably what's going on. That's why it's important that the Mavs can find someone that can actually move the ball efficiently. And so he can find easier open looks similar to like Chris Paul and Harden. Um, And that's pretty much what I think happened with his free throws. It's just a mechanical thing. He can fix it. Uh, The only thing is he's not looking to rest this offseason. He's already said that he wants to play for Slovenia. So that could be a good and a bad thing. Uh, That could be good because obviously he's going to have to work on his game uh, to practice, to play. But also he could be fatigued, a little bit fatigued like he was uh, this past year uh, coming into the league or into the game this season. So that's my little elaborate uh, comment on his free throw shooting. Yeah, I don't want to focus too much on his free throw shooting. 52% is abhorrently low, at least even for his standards. So I'm not going to go there. But it is crazy to think that even with 52% free throw shooting from three throws, he, you know, he still averaged 35. <laughs> he still averaged 35, which is crazy because the Clippers had no answer for that, man. And to think, like, when you watch the Clippers game plan, the Clippers literally just said, we have no answer for him. So let's just switch everything. Make him switch and just get every bucket no matter what. Just make sure that the Mavericks just don't get their own. And he still dominated, which was like a ridiculous game plan when you really think about it. Yeah, I want to say too that I want to give Clippers props on Game 7 because yeah. they did. They were like really going all out. They were like trying to trap him in the, in the half yeah, court. and Definitely. Yeah, they they did a lot more in terms of like being aggressive defensively. Not saying they weren't already, but they were pulling out all the stops to make him really tired, like going into the fourth, which is what they did. And honestly, he was going tired into the fourth every every game because if you look at his percentages, they drop significantly in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you know? game six and game seven. Game six, right? They yeah, game six was the Kawhi game, right? Yeah, the forty five, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, game six was a Kawhi game, and Kawhi went off. And that was when Kawhi literally turned into Kawhi the Claw. He was free-roaming on defense. Anytime he any, – when it was time for him to just say, you know, I had enough of, of Luka doing whatever he did, he was just – he was just creating havoc on, on the defensive side of the ball. And that game seven, even though they were switching a ton and Luka was still getting his in the first half, what ended up happening was that they just said it by the second half. They just started to just throw curveballs. You know, they really, really were not trying to have them just keep scoring over dudes anymore. You know, it was crazy. But I still give Luke all the credit. It just feels like that his team failed him, not him failing them, despite him having five turnovers a game and having 50, 52%. Field goal, I'm not free throw shooting. That's not the reason why they lost. They lost because they just couldn't get much from anybody else. Right. So that's what it is. Trey Young. Let's talk about Trey Young and the New York Knicks. Your favorite guy. <laughs> uh, Trey Young averaged 29 and 10 on 44% field goal shooting, on 34% free throw shooting, on 92% free throw shooting. That's wild. Yeah, so I'm going to come out and say uh, the Knicks are the best defensive team in the league, at least statistically, but they didn't guard him correctly. 
Uh, they gave him a lot of room, like in the floater range, which is one of his strengths. And they were not trying to stop that, you know, not necessarily uh, mid range, but kind of just like mid mid paint uh, area. And he was just eating them alive with with the floaters. Uh, I mean, Gallinari had like a freaking horrendous shooting percentage against the Knicks. Uh, it also helped that Randall just wet the bed completely. But no, Trey Young, I respect him so much because, you know, the Knicks, I, me and you both were talking about how great the fans were and not in spitting on them, but in terms of being active and vocal and just loud and rowdy. Uh, but Trey Young didn't really give a crap, you know. He, he went in there and he did the uh, the finger over the – well, this is funny. He did the finger over the, the, the brow instead of the, no, uh, the mouth because he kind of doesn't know how to do the shh sign (laughs) but uh he went in there and shut them up though man and he ate them alive i mean this is supposed to be the best defensive team in the league and trey young albeit he is like a very elusive scorer but he's not like a a dominant scorer he's not someone that i think could just destroy a, a number one defense but he did and to his credit i know we're not necessarily talking about the second round but he also made philly look crazy to the point that you know, Doc Rivers had to switch up his game plan and, and finally, you know, put Ben Simmons on him. Yeah, I heard they blitzed him and double teamed out the whole time. I, I, had, yeah. I, had to, I had to do some yard work during that game because it's hot as hell over here in New York. So I had to wait till the sun went down. But yeah, I heard about that. I heard about that. Um, yeah, yeah. So Trey Young, man, I, I give him respect. And look, I've never had a problem with him. I just don't like the discourse surrounding the Luca and Trey discussion. I think I mean, it gets a way too venomous and at times xenophobic, and that's all I'm going to say. I mean, it's unfortunate, but that's what it always be because they're traded for each other, you know. And the thing about Luca is that Luca's Luca's rise was pretty quick. Trey's rise was also quick, but Trey didn't get the, you know, the fast track love that Luca did his first season. So you know, it was towards the end where Trey started to become his own because he struggled a bit. So there was a lot of downing on Trey. Um, I've said it. I'm a Luca guy. I, I couldn't care less, right? You know, so it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, Trey has some value, and the discussion is a bit weird, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like you, feel like teams have not particularly guarded Trey Young to my liking, specifically the Knicks, which is why, like, Tibbs winning uh, Coach of the Year is a laughing stock to me. I mean – I mean, I said this in locker room. Uh, <laughs> a white man stole a black man's award because I feel that should have been Monty's trophy. You know, that should have been Monty's. You're not. But, you're not the first person to say that. Uh, not. Not the first part, but it should have been Monty. You know, and I. Yeah. My my pick was actually uh, Utah. Utah Jazz coach Quinn Snyder. That's what was my pick. No, that, that would have been a good one, too. Like, when I say that a white man stole a black man's award, I'm saying it jokingly, right? No, no, I know. I know that. It, it is funny. It is. I, and it's funny that you're saying it. It's not funny that necessarily happened. But yeah. I I am not going to lie, though. My second pick was uh, Tibbs. Okay, no one fair. saw this Knicks team being anything. Like, they saw that they saw that Knicks team. Like, Vegas predicted them to be like like a 20-something win team, you know? So that's why I just want to give Tibbs his credit. He got them to, to you know, zone in and play hard. And unfortunately, he just got severely outcoached in the first round. That's all that's I'll say. Cool. 
he can get second place or even third. He's not. He wasn't a better coach than Quinn Sider, and he wasn't a better coach than Monty Williams. And you, there could be a case that Nate McMillan was a better coach than him this season in his short time. The only reason why Nate McMillan is not getting that credit is because he only coached half the season. I mean, we're giving credit to Tibbs because it's the New York Knicks. It's not because of anything else. It's just because it's the fucking New York Knicks. Well, you know how it goes. Most of the coaches that win, it's because they the team was really crappy before the, the year before, and then they're not. And that's usually how it goes. Because if that's the case, Rick Carlisle would have a coach of the year, and he doesn't. No, I, or I agree, you know what I mean? It's just it's just just like a lot of other NBA awards. What are they? What do they actually mean? You know, like it's like MVP. It's so ambiguous. We don't know exactly what makes an MVP, right? It just oh, depends I, on the voter. I get it, but like on the same context, like. The Suns weren't crappy two years ago or last year. I mean, I know uh, you're going to go and say they went 8-0 in the bubble. Okay, fine. Did they make the playoffs? Did you predict no, them? With, with no, I was going to say Chris Paul is there. And I know that's yeah. – I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, but, I mean, Chris Paul is like like half a vote for coach of the year because what he does on the floor, you know. Because it's not like that, – that, that's what I think. That's but probably Chris, what happened with the media is they, they yeah. looked at Chris Paul and they were like, well – it's kind of did hard to anybody, get someone coach of the year with him as your point guard. I agree, but did anybody see a Chris Paul team with the Phoenix Suns, barring health, right? Did anybody see them being second in the West? No, I thought they were going to be like uh, – I thought they were going to be like uh, like fifth seed, maybe sixth seed. I really didn't think they were going to be that good or great. That's exactly what I'm saying. So, like, I feel like we're giving more credit to Tibbs because it's Tibbs, and we're giving more credit because it's the Knicks. That's it. I don't see anything that they do that's so great. Even defensively, they're great. That's fine. But you know who had the number one defense? It was the Lakers. So, like, what are we doing here? Are we just doing this because it's a feel-good story so everybody can remember that the Knicks are valuable? Like, Look, man, they were projected to win 20, like 22, 23 games, dude. That's, that's all I'm saying. That's why it happened, man, because they were such an underdog. And they don't, I mean, let's be honest here, man. Like, their best player was Julius Randle. And we saw what gets that in the playoffs. But in the regular season, it was a fun story. You didn't like playoff J? I thought everybody likes playoff J. Remember he said that the playoffs is the same thing as the regular season. He dominated. Yeah, well, (laughs) if it was, he would have smoked Atlanta like he did in the regular season. But Listen, your your these okay, the media's coach of the year started Alfred Payton for two straight games. Look, man, I'm just telling you why the media listen, and, and it doesn't listen, it doesn't help that he's in New York. He's in New York. Big market bias too. You gotta remember. I'm, I'm just saying I'm very happy that you said that because that's your coach of the year. Okay, that's fine. My coach of the year basically No, my coach of the year was Quinn Snyder. My second choice was Tibbs. My I'm just saying I can see why they voted for, for Tibbs. I get it. And plus a lot of media members like him. So listen, I I, 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 I think him. we're yeah, I think we're running uh, running around circles right now, but yes. like you shout out, shout out to the Jeff Van Gundy crew, the Pat Riley team. Shout out to that whole you know that that whole pyramid scheme of people that like everybody likes to love and not criticize. You know, just love them because defense, deep, you know, virtual signaling basketball. Yeah. You know, the same one that said the Bucks were going to wax the Nets. Oh, how did that go? You know, so you know, 
It is okay. What it is. If someone said they're gonna wax the Nets, they need their credentials pulled straight up. <laughs> no, but um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Trey definitely did his job. You know, he he just he just killed them. I guess. But you know, if we're talking about Monty, let's talk about Devin Booker, man. That guy, man, he turned me into a guy who was a skeptic to somebody who was just respected him to somebody that loves him. Because if there was one of the players that talked the most shit between Trey Young and Booker, I feel like Booker was talking the the most shit out of all these guys. Like, I loved it. Like, the way he was talking and backed that thing up, man, it was as if I saw, like, Kobe come from, like, heaven and just possess his body. He was literally, he's like a literally a light-skinned Kobe. Like, did you see what he drove in? For game for game six, yeah, it was like an old school, like uh, was it a '90s car? Like, what was it a Buick yeah. or what was he driving in? What was he that was thing? Driving a Grand National, all blacked out Grand National. Like he came in to close out the series to put these boys in a coffin, man. He yeah. was gonna put these boys in a coffin. He had uh, he dropped what 46, 45 or forty six in the clinching game. Like let's let's let, okay, let's read the stat line for him. In that series, right, the series that everybody said that the Lakers are going to, like, beat them because they're the Lakers that had LeBron and Anthony Davis. He averaged 30 points, five assists, six rebounds on 48% field goal shooting, 43% field goal shooting, 94% from free throw. Like, this guy was balling. Now, his turnover is... It, it kind of goes back to my earlier point. I said, like in one of the podcasts, that his playmaking is not all the way there. So I'm, I can owe like for his offense, for his isolation and his scoring ability. It's hard for me to just like jump into him and become like you know Booker's my lord and savior. Like I can never go to get to that point. But he's a damn good offensive player, right? If his defense can climb up to just being above average, not not meh not passable. I mean, like, above average, this dude would be, like, I'll be I'll be one of, I'll be a part of the church of Booker, all right? <laughs> I'll be part of a uh, church Booker. But, listen, the way he, I remember he scored at the basket and then ran back to the other end of the court and he looked at LeBron and said, what? 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 And it's said, I thought so. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Like, they do not fear this guy anymore. They don't fear LeBron no more. Like th- these three guys just don't fear these people anymore. And I feel like from just watching them, I felt as if that the NBA that we grew up with is coming back. Like there's a level level of competition and fearlessness coming back. Um, I spoke to somebody that I know personally. And they said, when we were talking about this topic, kind of, sort of, and he said that it's not that people don't love LeBron, they respect him, but the problem is, is that if you were to define, like, each generation's player, like, the face of the league for, like, a decade or so, why would their contribution? The problem that LeBron is, is that LeBron is probably the most talented player we've ever seen, but LeBron brought front running. He brought front-running culture to the NBA. And when Man, you are about to get us banned or something. 
Yeah. No. He's about to. He's about to. He, the clutch sports is about to come through and send me a. What is that? DMCA, whatever the hell those are, when they yeah. <laughs> they come and flag your shit and take yes. off all your content. Me, I'm just man. Maverick me. and all of them dudes is about to come through here, man. Listen, they gonna do I'm me just, like they did Phil Jackson. Listen, I'm just repeating what my friend said. Don't shoot the messenger. It was just interesting, and I couldn't really fight that back. I couldn't push back on him saying that LeBron's influence on the NBA is front-running culture. I mean, what do you think about that? All right. Okay, so I didn't know I was, we were going to go here, but I'm going to I'm a look, I am not the biggest LeBron guy, uh of but course. at the same time, what he did for the league, what he did for the league, he put a lot more onus and and power in the players' hands, man. And like I know a lot of people hate that shit, but like when you're reason that the product is what it is i think you have a little bit more say in the stock of of what's going on in the league and yeah it kind of sucks that we got the brooklyn nets this year because of what lebron did back in the day or whatever but nothing lebron did was necessarily illegal right he could do that you know and it sucks because yeah for a while like the competitive balance was not all that and although we do have a bunch of talent in the league the competitive balance is still kind of like well the team that has the most stars is probably going to win the championship, right? Right. Which kind of sucks for people or whatever, but it's not always about the destination. It's about the journey. Yeah. And I just think we are in a good place. Like you're talking about, we have a bunch of young stars that are competitive. They're not scared of the moment. And I don't know. I think LeBron, he had some say in that as well. Obviously, Luca looks up to LeBron. I mean, still does. Um. I'm sure Booker and Trey Young looked up to LeBron yeah. at, at some aspect in, in their career. But I say all that to say this. Yeah. What LeBron did, it sucked for people that don't necessarily like, uh, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to be political here, but like progressiveness in terms of like change. But I think it, it kind of did make the league better because yeah. guess what it did? The league has been so popular, way more popular from post 2010s. So 2010s and on, the league is on fire. And I know the ratings don't uh, indicate that because, let's be honest here, everyone's cord cutting or watching however they watch, not necessarily watching on cable. But what LeBron did, he jump-started the league into a whole nother stratosphere of importance and cultural uh, awareness in the sense that people that don't give a crap about the NBA, they love, they love the summertime because there's a lot of cool stuff that's happening with player movement, and it's always exciting, right? So that's what I'll say. So yeah, that could hurt right. maybe the encore product, but at the same time, for business sense, LeBron did a lot for the league in what he did with Miami. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Um, I do see my friend's point when he made the comment about LeBron brought front running. Because it, it feels as if that um when you watch when you watch a LeBron play, he doesn't really talk that trash until he's winning. Right? He's not really some Oh well, yeah. Oh no! Look what he did in game. Look what he did in game six yeah. versus the Suns. He 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 acted like a complete man. I'm about to get. Listen, I'm about to get banned. Listen, he acted like a baby. About he really did. And you're about to say crazy. <laughs> but no, that man disappeared off the TV screen for about almost a whole shot clock possession, <laughs> and he finally came back. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's what I understand the front running part. Or LeBron, and man, we are, this is not where, I promise you guys and ladies, this is not where we were trying to go this show. <laughs> uh, 
or he would go after he lost, he'd come with the hand brace and all this other stuff until, like you said, unless he's winning, he's not really he's like not really doing the game. vocal like that, except for 2016. 2016, that's the exception. And honestly, that's one of the, the best, that is the best comeback in NBA Finals history. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. So I'm trying to play dev, uh, devil's advocate. I get it. Like it's, it's two parts in this. LeBron's not no, perfect. Not. That's why I said he's you know? the most, if anything, right? When we talk about his legacy, somebody, it's it's okay for him to be the second greatest basketball player ever, right? At least in the NBA spectrum, right? It, to be second to only Michael Jordan is is no slouch, right? Michael Jordan's career would never be supplanted by anybody because his accolades are just it's written like a storybook. That's just the end of the story. It doesn't matter if you're more talented, and I think that's the problem. People are condensing career to talent, right? There's going to be a lot more players more talented than Michael Jordan. It's just science. It's just how things progress. The card, you know, a Lamborghini from 1995 is not better than the cars that we're driving now. Like, a Diablo is not better than a Ventador. It's just, that's just facts. You know what I mean? You can cling to those things. That's cool, but it's just facts. But the problem is here is that LeBron may be more talented. The argument could be known that he's better, but he's not Michael Jordan. And I think that's where people just need to accept that. And in the same cases that I, people may feel that LeBron brought front running, he's done, he's brought a lot of things to the game. He's helped the game become more, I want to say like, towards like social media like he's ushered in the social media league and the and the you know all that stuff so you know it is what it is he's helped basketball to be just more progressive i don't want to say watchable because watchable is subjective right there's people who think basketball is not so not watchable because black lives matter right and there's people who think basketball basketball is watchable because you know, you're getting all the talent from across the league, all, you know, becoming stars and scoring. And some people think basketball's not watchable because Golden State Warriors and the Lakers are not in the playoffs. But a lot of people think it's watchable because the Utah Jazz is viewed as the best team in the league next to the Nets. So it's just like, you know, it is what it is. No, and, and so so now that last sentence you just said, that's really what we were what we were going into, the ramifications of not having LeBron on TV. Like, and you're seeing it. People are still watching. Uh so I didn't pull this up earlier, but Game Seven of Mavericks Clippers was the highest viewed game of the 2021 playoffs. People are still watching. Yeah, like I know people want to say, "Oh, no, LeBron, the league is not going to survive." And don't get me wrong, you know why they say that is because that's how the league schedules these games in the regular season. The Lakers were on national TV like 30 or 40 times. Like every week, it was it was the Lakers on uh, versus some team, right? That, that's how the league does it. But I think with LeBron not in the playoffs, and I say this, like, I say they're going to have, the league's going to have to force themselves to to market these other stars. It shouldn't have to be that hard, honestly. Trey Young, Booker, Luka, they all have interesting stories. You know, they're all on the Hawks. Yeah, they're not as storied, but they still have somewhat of a storied franchise, you know, with the Dominique Wilkins thing. And yeah. even, you know, like the, the Bud Hawks, even though a lot of people don't like those, but. It's not like they don't have any history. Atlanta's a growing city, too. It's part yeah. of our culture. How would you right. not care about the Atlanta Hawks? 
and, and the and the Mavericks are a top five, top six market in the NBA. Yeah. And the Suns obviously have a lot of history, right? I mean, yeah. they got a guy that won the league MVP twice. So Adam Silver, moving forward, they really they they have to stop. Now I understand the Zion throwing him in our face because I get it. But like they they got to stop with these big market teams getting all these looks just because they're big market teams. There's a lot of talent in this league to the point that we're talking expansion because there's just so much talent that we need to spread it out, right? No, I I agree with you. I that's why I said why I wanted to give up like my blessings to these three guys, right? Because um I think the NBA is in a really good place, right? Um it, that's why I said it's like it's as if it's a passing of the torch because LeBron's not going to be here forever, right? We're enjoying Kevin Durant right now, but you know it wasn't just long ago that he tore his Achilles and we didn't think he was going to play again, right? We're enjoying Chris Paul now; he's thirty six, right? Like we're enjoying a lot of these guys, but eventually these guys shall retire and they'll move on. The league has to promote something else, and I think personally, I've said this for years now. I think we're at a space in the NBA that it makes no sense to market towards stars. You should just market towards teams because it's to the point that Nick Young, when he was a Laker, was probably one of the most beloved athletes, and he wasn't even that good. He only had one good season, right? Taco Fall is a meme in Boston. He barely plays. Everybody knows who he is at this point, right? players and NBA players are just recognized because they don't wear a helmet on their face, right? And you can see them talk, you can see them play. You can see what their what they what intangibles they bring to a game. So I personally feel as if like the NBA will look and they will see this and I think there's been evidence to show that they are trying to push it towards like an NFL like situation where like you know you wake up and you cheer for your team and your guys and that's it and players like Luca Trey and Booker as long as they stay on their teams which probably will happen right will push that to the airwaves I think the problem is with the NBA is with the way it's being pushed it's not the NBA itself. It's more of the people that they have contracted their stuff to, a.k.a. ESPN and TNT, because they are the ones that are trying to tell you that the regular season is worthless. I'm telling you that they're making a hyper-focus on the playoffs, which is basically a random you know, seven-game series, very short sample to go you know, legitimize someone's career, or even, therefore, trying to like say that a player is worthless, he needs to go to another team because this franchise is not good enough. So it is what it is. Um, but I have belief in this uh, league and what they're doing and that it's in a good place and that it will keep going further into being a good place. Yeah, for sure. I mean, proof's in the pudding. Like, league, everyone's still watching. I'll just say this short before we move on. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's going to be as easy for the league to promote team over player because I think that's just the mind state of this new generation of of people that watch or that are fans, quote unquote, of the game. It's really just to watch certain players. But we can we can talk about that more uh, moving forward in the off season because there's going to be a lot to discuss. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of ramifications of LeBron not being in the playoffs or or a lot of other stuff that happened during the playoffs with the fans. Like there's a lot to be discussed, uh, but. The yeah. last topic we're going to do for uh, today's uh, episode, y'all, 
It's going to be focusing on the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they just had all, uh, their exit interviews yesterday. We're recording this on June 8th, on Tuesday. Uh, so let's just go ahead, uh, Zeke. What do you think the Mavericks need to do mainly to help out Luka next year? Okay. So I just I did some research. And um, basically, so when I looked at the stats, right, I looked at the offensive and defensive rating. Uh Lance, what do you think they were ranked in offense? Just guessing off the top of your head. Offensive rating? Uh, I would say yeah. 15th. You're close. It was 12th. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to know what the killer was? You know the killer was defense, right? Yeah. Uh, let me guess. Uh, defensive rating, we're going to say 22nd. Extremely close. Extremely close. Exactly 23rd on defense. Yeah, <laughs> not the worst, but my God, on sometimes like when your best defensive player is Dorian Finney-Smith or THJ, that's exactly what you're gonna get. <laughs> THJ barely plays defense; he plays shadow defense. He, so he leads the lead, or he leads the team in charges, and that's why I say he's one of the best defenders only because of that stat, not because of anything else. You know what? Depend- you're lucky you're talking to me because I acknowledge people drawing charges. There are people who think charges are the worst thing to basketball, oh. and it should be. Uh, shout out to Dave, uh, the Athletics Dave LaFour. He says that the NBA should have got should get rid of him. He's been saying that for years. I don't agree with that, although I can see why, because sometimes it's not even a basketball play, and it could hurt somebody, honestly. It, it just could hurt somebody. But, yeah, yeah, good, uh, good pull on those stats, man, and I'm – I'm not surprised I, mean, I got I'll, those almost because I've been monitoring it very closely this year. No, definitely. I mean, I would argue with him that um, he's wrong, that it, uh, it's obviously because if we don't have charges, then how would you call it, designate things as a foul or not? People like Giannis would bully people all day long. So, yeah, you know, but here, either near or there. So, you're, uh, so you guys spent this year $127 million Five, basically, let's just round up, right? $128 million on your team, right, this season. Can you guess how much where your team ranks in payroll this season out of all 30 teams? Like uh, like how, how much they spent is what you mean? Yes, yes. They spent $128 million. I'd say, I'd say middle of the pack, like 14, 13, 15, somewhere around there. No, you're ranked 23rd. Oh wow! You're one even of the even cheaper. In the <laughs> one of the cheapest franchises in the league. Well, okay. So have- Cuban hasn't paid the luxury tax since uh, the Mavericks won the championship that year, 2011. Yeah. That's the last time he paid it. Over- right, you guys are over the salary cap, but you know you're not hard capped, right? You're just over. So it's going to be hard for you to guys to do like trades, like in terms of taking in salary. And for another player, everything has to match, right? So your notable free agents are THJ, obviously, JJ Redick, which you know you're not getting him back. Josh Richardson. <laughs> no, hey, look, I was excited when they got Redick, but it was evident that the Mavericks did not do their research on him because I don't think they knew that he was that he had that procedure on his heel or something because they gave up. It's not like they gave up the farm for him, but they really could have kept that second-round pick for something else. No, they did it on purpose. They did it on purpose that he was a salary dump. Yeah, I mean... They did it 
It it was a fun fourteen games, is all I'll say. <laughs> all right, I want I can't wait to see your reaction to this, Josh Richardson with his player uh, player option. Uh, so for him, for him, uh, I I will go on the record and say I was happy for the trade because yes, mm-hmm. as as big advocate as I am for Seth Curry, my little my first article I ever wrote was about Seth Curry. Uh. They're one of the most efficient, the most efficient three-point shooter in NBA history. However, yeah. we saw what happened versus the Clippers last year in the playoffs, and that's why they made that trade. Unfortunately, it didn't come to fruition. And you know what? I'm not going to – I'm not mad about the Mavericks for trying. It just didn't work. So that's what I'll say about that. So he has a player option that's worth um, – I think he has a player option that's worth the fine. I'm not – I don't have all the numbers here because I wrote, wrote it on the – I think it's he like 10 or 12, right? 10 million, right? 10 or 11 million, right? So that's his player option, right? You have Willie Cauley-Stein, who is a team option. If I was if I was the Mavericks, I would decline that. that not, <laughs> save yourself $4 million. You also have Boban, who is also an unrestricted free agent. That's something you should think about. So, That's Luca's best friend right there on the team. Yeah, man. And then... So okay. keep that in mind. I will. Your worst contract, if not Kristaps Porzingis, is Dwight Powell. <laughs> he makes eleven million dollars and has three years left. So that's something that you have to think about. Who you should target in free agency? So I have some names, right? Uh, but it's gonna. <sighs> Do you want me to go? Go ahead, man. It's not that good of a market since all the stars yeah, resigned. So Go problem, ahead. Right. I thought about trading. So we're not going to go too deep, right? And I know you're going to edit this to make it sound more concise. So definitely. Um, if Kristaps was to be traded, right, you're going to have to look heavily in the center market. If you. All right. Let me just go ahead and stop you there, Zeke, uh, because he's not going to be traded. If- I said, yeah. okay, okay. I I know. I, so this is all I'll say. I don't want to go get too far into it, but the, Donnie Nelson, not verbatim, but pretty much said that Luca needs to be a better passer and playmaker in his exit interviews, saying he needs to get more players involved. Even though he he had a fourteen assist game, where somehow like the Mavericks. Uh, support players like made like maybe eight bucks or something like that. Danny, my sm- my response to Donnie is that he needs to stop smoking that shit. It's not that he can't pass or be a better passer. It's because of the fact that Chris Stapps wants to be a poor man's Ryan Anderson. Yeah, I, I remember. I think I think you were the one that said that in the group chat. This is a thing, man. Like I think there's a lot of people at fault for the KP situation. A KP needs to take onus and realize, hey. I am not the star that I think I am. Um, this is not New York. B, Carlisle does need to utilize him more. I mean, hiding him as a decoy and just a corner three guy is not, it's just nothing. It's not going to do anything for anybody. And three, Donnie Nelson should have never signed him to the max without stipulations. He should have said like, hey, if you play this amount of games, then we'll give you this much, you know. Like people want to act like the Mavericks had no leverage. I mean, you you can't just you can't just do that. You can't just sign someone to a max that has not proven anything. And yet, people can and have, but a lot of times it takes a long time for for you to get your 
how you say, your value back on that deal, if ever. So that's what I'll say about no, that, that, man. That, no, that's why I said if there w- the Chris Stapps trade is least likely to happen because he makes too much, there's too much uncertainty. A lot of teams would have to trade at least three players to match his deal. And um, also, if you did trade him, the center market or the big man market, the lack of thereof is not pretty, right? Like it, it's yeah, basically- Rashawn Holmes is like the main guy, and that I mean, you want to give that guy twenty million a year? Go on ahead. I like the guy. I he's the most fun, one of the probably top fifteen most fun players to watch play because his energy is so infectious. But that is not the person that you want to give like max money or even more than mid level money to. Because if that's your answer, then, I mean, you're going to be paying, your front court's going to be making the most money until Lucas signs uh, that, you know, $200 million rookie extension. Like, do you really want to have that much money into a a front court that can't even really create offense for themselves or others? Like, I don't think so. So, like you're saying, the center market is blah in free agency. So, continue. Sorry. No, I mean, I mean that's where we're gonna stop because if I talk about everything that's on my paper, then it will never. Yeah, stop, I, right? I, so, I'll throw out a name then. This is all I'm gonna say. Okay, I'll, throw out this name and I'll tell you. I see. If uh, it makes it, sense. I'm not saying that this is the best option, but if you're looking to not make Luca like uh, a crazy like Russell Westbrook usage rating kind of guy, mm-hmm. you might have to look into Demar Derozan. I'm not saying if it's. Good or bad, but you might have to look into it. So here's the thing: I didn't even decide to. I I, I didn't even do bother to look into that route because when I looked at Demar Derozan, he's still a god awful three point shooter. Right. <laughs> he's, he's still shooting in the twenties. His defense is still meh, and his playmaking building, although has gotten better, it's nothing to really take off. Um, it's nothing to really particularly take off Luca's problems you know like you know like in terms of workload right? right especially if the shooting ability is not there so but it is something to do to think about i have thrown out some i have some names on here that are pretty interesting well uh Z, we're definitely going to do a mavericks uh whole episode so save it trust me you're going to want to have that clip full no no definitely 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 i mean again derozan was busting his ass with his passing ability. I'm not going to take that away from him, but I just think the workload will still increase because his shooting ability would have to work around that. Uh, this is what, this is what I'll say. And then we can kind of wrap up. It'll be easier for Carlisle to stagger lineups with the Rosen as that second or third piece. That's all that it'll make it easier to where Luca can rest. Luca needs more rest. It's apparent. But uh, Zeke, uh, I know you got uh, your hoops Avengers show. You want to go ahead and plug in anything that y'all are going to be talking about this week before we get out of here? Okay, so we're doing Hoops Avengers. We're going to be slandering all the teams that lost. You know, shout out to Akil. Akil is definitely going to go off. I know everybody's going to go off. The pack is up. So there's four teams that have been eliminated since we last spoke. So we're going to do that. I'm also going to be a part of Michael Lofton's show, uh, Chaos and Conversation, with Sean Coleman. It's going to be me and Savan, and we're going to be covering, well, I'm going to be covering the Lakers and 
the Wizards offseason and what they should do. Yes, I know. The, the second is what made me make that face. The Lakers could be a little bit more interesting, but because the they're not trading yeah, Beal. The if they're not trading Beal, then what the hell are they going to do? You know? It, let me tell you something. I've been up since I woke up at 5 a.m. and I started working on this since like 7 a.m. After I finished doing the Dallas stuff, I looked at I looked at the Lakers and I looked at the Wizards and I my I my I couldn't do it. I had to go and take that to lay down for a second. It was too much. Yeah, you're gonna have to get laser <laughs> treatment on your eyes after having to talk about the Wizards for more than 15 minutes. Yeah, we'll we'll see, man. We'll see about that. But um, also, Savon is gonna be covering the Blazers and he's going to be covering the Celtics. And we all know how much he loves Danny and the Celtics, so. He's definitely going to have a field day with that. So I think it's going to happen at 7 p.m. tonight, Eastern. So it, by the time the show comes out, you probably would not hear it. But he does record the podcast. So if you can type up chaos and conversation, we'll definitely Will do. I, lo- I, uh, I respect Michael Lofton a lot. He's a good dude. I, I, I uh, communicate with him via DM. So I do respect that dude. And I, I like his opinion. And he has a very, unlike a lot of people in the locker room or in our group chat, he doesn't really have any agendas, and he just uh, he just uh, speaks uh, respectively to everybody. So I really appreciate that. But uh, I love that he's the commissioner of locker room. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get out of here, y'all, everybody, be safe. Uh, get your vaccinations. Wear your mask. You're not vaccinated, and respect everybody. And if you go to a playoff game, once again, I I hate that I have to reiterate this. Don't spit on the players. Y'all have a nice night. Uh, and make sure y'all yeah. sub, subscribe, follow, rate us. Tell us how we suck. Tell us how we're good. Tell us what we can do better. Uh, tell us what you would like us to see. Uh, and everybody have a nice night. Thank you.